Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. something to us, eh, Laura? Praise God. Can I give this to someone? Would that be okay? Stick that in their chair somewhere. Thank you so much. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Good morning. Good morning. Wasn't it good? Isn't it good to have family back in town? Can we thank God for Lisa and Cody? Come on, y'all. Who's happy to see them? Yeah, me too. I was like, they're like, we might, we might have to get snow tires. I'm like, Lord, Surely there are snowchire angels. Surely. Wherever they are, just send them their way because I don't know that I can wait another week. So I was very happy to get the text saying that y'all were coming and that made my whole day. I was I just uh, I, I always dink around on Facebook during service sometimes. I saw your little video where you're eating the snow. <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad they're here. So, yes, very excited, very excited. I'd, uh, it's been a good week. It's been a good week, amen? I just got back from um, retreat with Patricia King and Ruth Hendrickson and leaders, uh, Cindy Stewart, Apostle Cindy Stewart out of Texas and several other leaders from really all across the nation. It was an absolute joy. Ruth did a fantastic job um, putting together a retreat. Some of you all know we've been praying for my husband, and I just needed a <laughs> moment. You know, sometimes when you're going through, you just need a moment. So went there. I did a lot of laughing, a lot of crying, a lot of praising, a lot of healing, a lot of praying, a lot of what we, you all know what I'm talking about when I say vatavan, right? We did vatavan. I told Laura, I said, I think sometimes my vatava face is a little intimidating. I have to be careful not to scare people. <laughs> when I get in warrior mode, I'm like, oh, you know, just focused. So, um. Yeah, but God is good, but it was good. Yeah, like butter, that's right. Those heads roll like butter. Mm-hmm, that's what we say, demon slayer. Mm-hmm. Can't help it, that's just the way God made me. And I'm okay with that, I'm okay with that. Doesn't make sense to everybody, but praise God I exist because uh, it takes care of business. <laughs> Amen. So Lord was talking to me, uh, would have been yesterday morning, about this idea after this retreat specifically, that hope is never lost. Hope is never ever lost for us as Christians. And when I was thinking about the election in this past year with COVID and everything that we've kind of all been going through and my personal situation and some struggles that some of my friends are going through, the in times of trial and in times of pressing, the media and the narrative and even sometimes well-meaning Christians and brothers and sisters will press in with a word. God says, you know, Satan himself used the word to come against Jesus. You remember that? If you are the son of God, you can turn this stone into bread. He was fasting on a 40-day fast, and that was the word he brought. And that happens sometimes, and and it's not necessarily, we were talking about this a little bit at the retreat, um, and I don't remember if I shared this with you when you called or not, Laura, But that idea that a true prophet can bring a true prophecy that the Lord does not want you to obey. 
And then our job as Christians is not to get upset with the deliverer or the messenger who's bringing the word. And, and some of you are thinking, what? That doesn't sound biblical. Let me give you an example. Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah to prophesy to the Rechabites to drink wine. So Jeremiah goes to the Rechabites and he says, the Lord says to drink wine. And the Rechabites said, well, our forefathers told us not to drink wine. Then God told Jeremiah to go back to the Israelites and say, the Rechabites are obeying the word that I gave their father. Why are you not obeying the word I gave their, your fathers? So Jeremiah obeyed the Lord. He gave the true word that the Lord told him to give, but it was a test for the Rechabites. Will you do what I told your fathers to do? Another example is Jonah. God gave Jonah a true prophetic word to go to Nineveh and tell them, in three days this city will be destroyed. A true word from the one true God. And what happened? Jonah went and he gave a true word. The city and the leaders and everyone rent their clothes and they repented. And what happened? The Lord relented. He had mercy, right? And you remember what Jonah did? He went and sat under the palm tree and pouted. Lord, I didn't want to tell him this because I knew you were a merciful God. And you would not bring the judgment that you promised. Right? So sometimes we have seasons where our character is being strengthened is we're coming from that place of perseverance. Hey, 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 hey. You know what I'm talking about, ladies that have had babies. Some of y'all that get that in the spirit. I mean, I'm just going to say, Cody's a testimony, a walking testimony of that. You have that moment where you're birthing something in the spirit. And all these words, you know they're true words from the Lord. The person knows they're a true word from the Lord. But you know what God told you. And it doesn't make sense to anybody around you. But you know that you know that you know you are to obey the word of the Lord, not the word of that prophet. And there's two dangers, two very strong warnings I want to give to the body of Christ in this hour. Number one, to judge the prophet who brought the word that did not come to pass. Very dangerous. Jeremiah gave the true word that he was supposed to give. Whoa, 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 unto you for judging someone for bringing a word that you're not supposed to follow. You thank them for that word. Thank you so much for obeying the Lord. But I know what God told me to do. Number two, the opposite, to be the prophet bringing that judgmental word and to be like Jonah and or to pick up the judgment and anger towards the individual for not obeying you. Because God is God of them, not you. Whoa, whoa, whoa to the individual that gets angry because an individual doesn't do what you know that you heard God told them to do. With his love, there's liberty, amen? And in these hours of hopelessness, we're seeing a lot of prophecies out there in the world right now. We've got some that are like doom and destruction on the nation. <laughs> but they're true words from the one true God because he wants a nation to rend their clothes and repent. And then you've got the redemptive words, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll come and I'll answer their prayers and I'll heal their land. 
And it's not necessarily that one is wrong and one is right. They just have two purposes. One is an invitation and the other one's a strong, firm warning. I don't know how many of y'all have kids, but some kids do real well with, sweetheart, I really need you to go pick up your room. This is going to be great because if you do this, if you pick up your room now, we'll be able to go to the movies in two hours. Some children, they respond so well to that. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I want to go to the movies. I want to go clean my room. Other children, not so much. Son, <laughs> I need you to go pick up your room, and I'm not going to tell you for the third time. If I have to tell you again, I'm getting the wooden spoon and I'm spanking your bottom. And I will not have this conversation with you again. Do not come out and ask for another drink. Do not come out and tell me you have to pee. Do not come out and tell me you're excited about the squirrel outside the window. Go clean your room. Right? And neither one is wrong. They're both accomplishing the same purpose, but because of the heart of the child and the giftedness of the child and the way God made the child, they need a different approach from the heart of the father. Both are love. And both are good. Both are God. Amen? So I was thinking about that. Hope, hope, hope is never, ever lost. And look at our nation. Hope is not lost for America. Hope is not lost for the church. If you look at the whole history of the world, we have come so far. Did you know there was a time when women couldn't even vote? Women were property. Women were sold. Men could be married and Work, be with prostitutes and it was no big deal. They could divorce a woman for no reason. Come on, girls, ladies, we come a long way. Did you know that the Canaanites used to require of the Israelites that they give up their children to them for their own personal pleasure so that they could come through their gates? We have come a long, long way. That wouldn't even be tolerated in our day. We've come a long way. Are we where we want to be? No. The beauty of what we're seeing right now in our nation and, and the uproar that we're experiencing is that it's actually evidence that the kingdom of God is increasing in the earth. Because 100, 200 years ago, these things wouldn't have even bothered us. Why does it bother us that there's an idol that says this but doesn't tell the truth about the depravity in the individual's life? That's a just cause. It's a just cause. So update the plank. Keep the history. Update the plank. Tell what's going on. Because noble men can do evil, malicious, cruel things outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the kingdom operating in their life. But we need to remember that, right? So I look at our nation, I look at the church, and I think there is hope. We have come a long, long way. I think about that verse, think on those things that are noble, that are true, that are praiseworthy. It's been interesting. If we, if we don't guard our time and we don't guard our heart, we don't guard our social media, how little tiny things can infiltrate. Little thoughts, little images, little assumptions. We don't take the time to press into some of the awkward conversations, some of the painful conversations, some of the cultural discrepancies where in this culture it means this, and, but in this culture it means this. Where there's love, there's always liberty. We always got to allow people to be free to be who they are. But love also always protects. I care enough about you to hear your story and to protect you as an individual. 
And love is always patient, right? Even when we see an injustice, we don't force a shift in regards to the injustice. We lay up proper boundaries to protect ourselves, to protect our family, to change it as much as we can, to influence those in our lives, to help shift the paradigm, turn the tide, and see that justice roll down like a river. But we don't force a thing. Because the truth of the matter is this, anything you have to force to happen, you really don't have sustainable change. Because where there's love, there's liberty. That's abuse. It was common in the church and in the culture for a long time. Anything you have to force to happen will not result in sustainable change. Liberty is so important. So I was thinking through, well, Lord, what is hope? Hope is never lost. That was the first thing that came out when I prayed and said, what do you want to, I always say, Daddy, what do you want to say to your people? What do you want to say to your kids? Hope is never lost, he said. And I said, well, all right, well, I better start with what is hope, right? So I looked up online, of course, because Google's always right, as Chris Valentin says. <laughs> So here's a couple fun definitions that came out. Hope is a feeling of expectation. Come on. A desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is a desire accompanied by an expectation or a belief in fulfillment of something. So it has this idea of something's coming to pass. I've got my eyes, my heart, my mind, my hopes, my expectations set on some expected end. Something shifting. Hope is someone or something on which our hopes are centered, right? So it's an object. There's an object of our hope, either a person or a thing. It can mean to have trust or reliance in something or someone. So the object of your hope is the thing that you're putting your trust in. It's the thing that you're leaning on, that you're relying on, that you're believing in. Hope also means to anticipate to await, to expect, and to watch for. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So this idea of expecting, right, a feeling of expectation, this idea of ex expecting implies a high degree of certainty and usually involves the idea of preparing and envisioning for the expected outcome. It's You, you don't just have an expectation. A woman just doesn't get pregnant and then not have to buy bigger pants. You can get away with it for the first month or two, but if you really have hope, if you're really pregnant with hope, eventually you're going to have to change the gear, <laughs> make some room, right? You're going to have to make some plans and some strategies and start to vision and think things through and get some ideas together. Prepare has this idea of preparation. It's a desire accompanied by an expectation or belief in a fulfillment of something. So fulfillment implies expectation that the desire will be fulfilled and there will be actions that accompany that belief. So I actually have to go out and buy the bigger pants. I might have to invest a little bit of money, right? I don't know. Did anybody, anybody else have kids in here? All right. Anybody gain, do the five, the, the, okay, the Christmas five, the Thanksgiving 15, <laughs> okay? When you go back for seconds and thirds on the turkey and the stuffing and you just think, oh, I'll be all right. This is a sanctified size of this season. <laughs> Let me break out the yoga pants, <laughs> right? 
there's an action that accompanies that. You're like, well, I'm going to wear yoga pants for the next two months, and then I'm going to drink my sh protein shakes breakfast and afternoon until I get back to where I need to be, right? There's always an object of our hope, another human, a certain outcome or a specific result that we're looking for. Sometimes we put our hope in people, right? Precious Laura, she went out and got the snacks today, and I was really hoping she would follow through, and she did. She got here early. She set up all the coffee, set up all the water, got everything ready for the Dream Team meeting. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Right? I she did. I was so thankful. She called me on the phone. Hey, I'm here. Well, that's all right, baby. You did great. There's this idea of anticipation and awaiting and expected and includes an aspect of waiting and watching for it. So when we truly have hope, we've got our eyes on the horizon. And we're kind of scanning and watching. Like, when, God, where is it? You said, you said, you said. Like the prodigal father, right? We stand at the city gate. He stood at the city gate. He knew his son was going to come home. And he stood and he watched every night. He waited watched and he waited and he watched he had a true hope a true expectation that his son was going to return and he was watching and waiting for it we talk about hope in the world a lot you've heard it said this, this situation is beyond hope beyond hope is this idea that the situation is so hopeless that it hopeless that it's Destined for absolute destruction or disappointment or ruin or judgment or the essence of some kind of situational or relational death, whether that be physical or spiritual. You've heard it said, ah, there's a glimmer of hope. It means there's something tiny, really small, sparked something in us that said, ooh, I don't know, I'm starting to think maybe this is possible now, right? You've heard someone say to you, oh, honey, don't get your hopes up. Anybody ever said that to you? Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. And the world says that. What does that mean? Don't get your hopes up because this is not going to work out and you're just going to get hurt. In other words, protect yourself. Keep that wall up. Don't dream. Don't dream because you don't want to be disappointed. Right? That's the world's idea. A person can be called a beacon of hope in the world, right? Like, let's see, uh, Gandhi. Okay, he's not necessarily Christian, but he can be a beacon of hope. I mean, he fasted for so long. He stood for peace. It was noble. He was a noble-hearted man. Mother Teresa. Okay. Rosie the Riveter. Cammie dressed up as Rosie the Riveter for Halloween, right? That poster of the blonde woman with the muscles and the red little handkerchief on. You know, we can work. We can do this. We can help our men while they're out to war. I was thinking through this idea of what happens when we put our hope in an earthly person. The object of our hope is very, very important. And in the world, oftentimes, like we say, that person's a beacon of hope, or we put our hope in other people or things people have said or promised us. But in the kingdom, hope in the kingdom looks like Jesus. Hope is a person. He's our living hope. 
I love this picture. For those of you who don't know, this is the picture that was drawn by a young girl who visited heaven and saw the Lord. I can't pronounce her name. Thank you, Akiana. I knew Elisa would know. She's an artist, for those of you that don't know. Very good one. Akiana. And I, I have this picture in my bedroom. I absolutely love it. There's uh, a strength and a courage and an uncompromising, loving look on his face that says, oh, it's that Lion of Judah look. It's like you look at it and the fear of the Lord hits you like, ooh, you are absolutely beautiful, but I don't dare mess with you. <laughs> right? I love that picture. So as I was preparing for today, the Lord started to talk me through this idea of hope in the kingdom. We are never hopeless because as Christians, the object of our hope is Jesus Christ and his finished work on our behalf. He is so, so good. Jesus never gives up. Hope in the kingdom never gives up. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, Love bears all things. I didn't know what that meant until this current season that I was in. I thought, oh, I'm really good at loving people. And then, you know, I hit my sweet spot and I was like, oh, I'm not so good in that area. Not so good in that area. It says, love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And I started to think through different relationships that I've had and ministries I've worked with and some of the disappointments and kind of, I think, it, Cody, you were saying, um, the freedom to make mistakes. As we grow in love, we do get to a place where we give people freedom to be human. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to stay where they're at. It doesn't mean that we need to continue to partner with them if they're going around their little mountain. But we do give them freedom and we continue to love them where they're at. Amen? Love. Love hopes all things. And you keep hoping, yep, it'll come. You keep hoping, yep, it'll shift. You keep hoping. And we know that love never fails. The scripture is really clear about that. Love never fails. So if we commit to continue to love, if we commit to continue to hope, eventually it will shift. We just have to be willing vassals. So love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And I love this. And love endures all things. It endures all things. So I don't know about you all, but I've had those moments where I've said, Jesus, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I'm thinking about this verse. Love endures all things. Stephanie, what are you talking about? The love of God has been poured out in your heart through Christ Jesus, your Lord. And if that's true, and it is, then love endures all things. You can do this. Now, it's not going to be by your own might. It's not going to be by your own power. But you can withstand this. You can stay in this as long as I want you to. As long as you need to until the work that I'm doing in you is finished. Till Christ is formed in you. Perseverance produces what? You all should know this one. We say this all the time. Character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Right? we always say, but it appoints us for the very thing that we're called to do. We'll get to that in a minute. So there's this idea that love never gives up, and I love that about hope. Hope never gives up in the kingdom. 
Hope never wearies in the kingdom. James 1.3 says, because you have the knowledge that is the testing of your faith, it gives you power of going on in hope. So because we have this knowledge of the testing in our faith and we've been through some things, it literally, the scripture tells us, going through gives us power to continue to hope. That's that scripture. Perseverance produces character and character hope. It's a cyclical process of going. It's sort of the faith to faith and glory to glory process. The more I hold on to faith, the more I behold him in those moments of testing and trying. In my weakness, I'm made strong. I can't do this. Okay, let's do a divine exchange. I'll give you more of me. You give me more of your weakness. Sir, yes, sir, I need more. Right? That's why Paul said, I rejoice all the more in my weaknesses. Why? Because every time we're honest about where we're at and we come before the Lord with an unveiled face and we go, Lord, I cannot do this. He says, no worry, darling. Freedom to make mistakes. No worries, baby. I got this. In, my, in your weakness, I am strong. Receive ye more of your inheritance. Let's do an exchange here. And then you come up. You came in faith because of his finished work. You received more of his glory. You were, you were bold and brave enough and humble enough to be to unveil your face and say, whoo, that wasn't pretty. And everybody in the room already knows it, so you might as well admit it. Okay, let's just be honest. Amen? Do you, isn't it frustrating sometimes to work with people that don't want to admit they have issues? Okay. That that's usually happens when they don't have a revelation of the love of God, when they don't really understand that they're freely forgiven. Okay. And if, if that's you, there's no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We all start there. But ask the Lord to reveal his love to you because we can get to a place, you can get to a place in the Lord where I call it being joyfully undignified. Okay? Now, religion will tell you, people will tell you, <laughs> all my pastor friends will tell you. <laughs> there are things that are just proper and there are things that aren't proper. <laughs> And that sometimes you just keep the mask on and you plow your way through and you do what you got to do. I, I don't like that. It's not even kingdom. It doesn't mean you have to throw all your trash out there, all your business out there in front of your enemies. But it is. it takes great humility and it is, is very, very wise to be willing to walk in a way that, in the light, in a way that says, I, I don't understand, but I'm willing to receive it. I don't have the answers, but I want to know what they are. I was wrong in this situation, or I'm not sure why I'm struggling, and I know that came across this way. Um, let's pray about this together, right? Because it's in our weakness that we're made strong. And I love that verse, too. It says, confess your sins one to another that you may be what? Healed. Walk in the light as he is in the light that you may have koinonia or fellowship with one another. Right? So the beautiful piece about the way God designed the kingdom is that every time we're weak, we're given power and grace and glory. But as long as we pretend to be strong, we ain't getting nothing. And then we have to toy it around, continue to pretend like we got it all together. Right? But the moment we admit our weakness, he gives us a divine exchange of his glory and his grace. And the minute we admit it to another Christian about what's going on, we actually receive healing, the scripture says. Confess your sins one to another. Dude, I totally missed it. I am so sorry I missed it again. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Then the divine healing actually takes place in you. Whatever that fragmented place is, that wounded place is, that struggling place is, you get healed. Isn't that awesome? And the second benefit, or the third benefit is this. 
Walk in the light as he is in the light that you may have fellowship with one another. That, that word koinonia in the Greek actually implies an intimacy that is so deep it births something. It births something. So it, it, it's something new that's created out of the intimacy of one individual with another ind individual. The two have to be present to create this new thing that comes forth. And it could be referring to the healing in the individual. It could be the depth of relationship that's been weaved between the two individuals because they were willing to humble themselves. But that's beautiful. It's a picture of true humility. Isn't it awesome that that's how God lined it up? I love it. Yeah, so hope never wearies. The testing of your faith gives you the literal power of going on in hope. Hope never loses. Come on. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited because I like to win. <laughs> Just pray for me. I'm Irish. Okay? We like to win. That's why we fight so much. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, He delivered us out of so great a death and does deliver us, on whom we have set our hope that he will also still deliver us. Do you think we might need some deliverance? <laughs> Three times it says deliver us in that verse. I'm going to read it to you again. Listen to this. Who delivered us in the past out of so great of a death through Christ and does deliver us, is continuing to deliver us now in this moment as we speak, on whom we have set our hope that he also will deliver us. So he delivered us in the past. He's continuing to deliver us now, and he will need to deliver us in the future. Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay. You might as well just embrace deliverance. It's a way of life. It's just a way of life. He's the great I am. If he is eternal, which he is, if he is the I am, which he is, if his love is inexhaustible and, and an eternal love, then ultimately we will never reach the end thereof. So that means we will always be learning. We'll always be receiving more of him. And the enemy would like to come along and make us hopeless and say, oh, you missed it again. Mm -mm -mm. Boy, you're not perfect. You haven't arrived. Well, yeah, you're right. That's because love is eternal there, buddy. Did you read the Bible? I'm not going to be arriving anytime soon. I have full access to God and all of his eternal love at any time. But I'm going from faith to faith and glory to glory, and I'm in process. And there's a day coming when I'm going to take off this perishable, and I'm going to put on the imperishable, and I'm going to glow, glow, glow. It's going to be absolutely glorious. And this flesh won't rail against me anymore, and I'll be able to soar in his glory, soar in his grace. And it'll be like this. It'll be totally different. But now we're just in process, and that's okay. Tell your neighbor, say, it's okay to be in process. Say, I love you just the way you are. I love you just the way you are. I heard that song, dim, 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 dim. Yeah, Billy Joel, you got to love him. Well, so love and hope, hope never loses. It never loses. And I love this, hope never leaves you feeling downcast. The world's idea of hope can leave you feeling downcast. Don't get your hopes up. Or you have your hope in this person or that person or the other person. People let you down. We're all human. We make mistakes, right? 
No one's going to be perfect all the time. No one's always going to get it right all the time. And that's why the object of our hope is so important. When we have our hope in God, God has promised that he loves you perfectly. He has promised that he works all things together for good for them that love him and are called according to his purposes, right? So all the fullness of who he created you to be, all the fullness of your destiny, all the fullness of the dreams that he's placed within you, those seeds that are there for who it is he's made you to be in this area that he's shifting you into. Because how many of y'all are in transition? Anybody besides me? Okay. Almost all of us are in transition because we're coming out of one era and we're moving into another era, totally different era. We were in this grace, grace, grace era, and now we're kind of in this, ooh, Jesus, and Ananias and Sapphira, I think, I don't know. I've still got grace, but ooh, you know. It's a fine line. There's an interesting place that we're in. It's different. It's not that grace isn't available, but we're moving in a time where the darkness, um, people are choosing, let's just say that. People are choosing. And we will see a beautiful, great, fantastic, awesome harvest. But there had to be a shaking in the church first. We had to find out, <laughs> well, I'm just going to say what I'm hearing. Can the real Christians please stand up? And I don't mean that in a mocking way at all. But a litmus test had to be applied so that God is not misrepresented to a generation. And we can actually see the greatest harvest in the history of the world come in and be purified and see and taste and see that the Lord is good and his love is awesome. People that would be patient with individuals coming out of the occult. Individuals who are fragmented. Individuals who are wounded. Individuals who are healing. Okay, from all kinds of stuff. And individuals who aren't going to put up with baloney. Okay, that doesn't mean we just, oh, no, hold the bar, you know, come on, do whatever you want. <laughs> no. No, I love you enough to say no and to put up a boundary. And sometimes mamas have to do that, right? No means no. And a lot of times, no means I love you. If you're always saying yes to somebody, you really don't love them. Because we have capacities financially. We have capacities relationally. We have capacities emotionally. Amen? So I love this too. Hope never leaves you feeling downcast. Romans 12, 12 says, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Come on. Never leaves you feeling downcast. So when we have hope in the object of our love in Christ himself, Yeshua HaMashiach, we don't feel downcast because we know he's willing we know he's able. We know he's good. We know he himself is our faith. We know he's poured his love out in our hearts and that we have everything that we need to persevere unto character. And that when we persevere, perseverance produces character and character what? More hope. So sometimes we're in that place of perseverance and you're kind of on the grind and you're like, I don't feel the hope yet. I don't feel the hope yet. You just keep persevering. Because the promise is that perseverance produces character and character produces hope. Yeah. And it's okay to be in the place where you're persevering. Well, I don't really feel it yet. <laughs> He's teaching you not to obey your feelings. That's okay. We all have to go through that. Anybody been in that trial? <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, right? But that's not a bad thing. It just means you're growing in your character onto the place until you persevere into the place where your hope is renewed. And all of a sudden that hope comes back and you're like, oh, I'm back. 
I can feel it now. I have a vision for what's next. I see, I have an expected end. I'm watching the horizon again because I have a promise that I'm holding on to and I persevere. I persevered in, in relationship with the Lord until I heard the word and I know that I know that I know that I know it is written. And this isn't just an it is written in the pages of these book that I yanked out and made my own. It's become a rhema word. And he spoke it from his heart to my heart and I'm holding it fast. And like Paul said, I'm going to war with that prophecy. You said, you said, Lord, you said, Lord, Lord, I don't have to make this happen. You said, I'm going to labor to enter into your rest. I'm going to have a joy. I want to let this hope burst forth within me, releasing continual joy until I see the hope you gave me come to pass. And while I'm waiting and I'm enjoying, I'm just going to let you work the character that needs to be worked in me so that when that harvest comes in and it's my turn to give to someone else what you so freely gave to me, I can steward them well. I can love them well. Amen. We always say the way out is through. We had a little talk about this at the retreat recently. Some people say you don't have to be re-traumatized to be healed of your past. And while that is true, you don't have to be re-traumatized to he be healed of your past. You do have to face the pain of your past and come through the pain in order to be healed. So you cannot not face the pain of your path and past and actually be made whole. You've got to, it has to touch the emotional depth of who you are. You have to face whatever it is for the emotional place that it puts you in. It put me here. It made me feel this way when this happened. And this is the result of it, or this was my response to my perception of what was going on in that moment. Does that make sense? When we face the pain of our past with God, and in the context of his promises, we are made whole. When we avoid the pain of our past, we repeat the pattern. We end up beating everybody up around us <laughs> in the body of Christ. So for the sake of the body, take a minute and take the time you need to get whole. We're going to love you whether you do or not. But what, what people don't realize is your promotion depends on your willingness to get whole. Because a good steward in the body of Christ is not going to promote you beyond your willingness to face your pain of your past. Not because they don't love you, but because they do love you and they don't want you. You can only replicate what you carry. So the amount of glory that you carry, the amount of wholeness that you carry, the amount of Christ that you carry is all. You can't multiply anything but your own kind. So if we want to multiply woundedness, we'll put you up here on the platform or we'll send you out right? And that happens sometimes. People get sent before they're ready. And then they, they have these big ministries and they're multiplying woundedness and really almost planting seeds of bitterness. I don't know if you, have any of you ever seen that out there? They don't mean to. There's some healing that's taking place, but bitterness seeds, you can just see it coming out and I'm like, oh Jesus, that's not good. And I feel like in this new era, talking specifically about hope in the kingdom, God is challenging the church to slow down a little bit in the process of making disciples so that we can see people come into the fullness of who it is he's created them to be. And what would it look like to have a corporate church that says, I'm not in such a big hurry to get you on the platform, and, and disciples who say, I'm not in such a big hurry to get there out there doing my thing as much as I am to be intimate with my father, to know him personally, and to let him make me who he's created me to be before I'm sent out. Yeah, right? 
Yeah. If we're going to carry greater glory, that means we have to wait and take the time. We've got to wait and take the time and let him do the work and be willing to do the work ourselves. And it's not a scary work when we know who he is. It is scary when we're coming into that place where we're still persevering to produce the character, where we don't fully understand or necessarily trust God. Like we know him here, right? Sometimes you ever been there where you know God in your mind, you know what the word says, and you're in agreement with who God is in your mind. But emotionally, you find yourself reacting sometimes instead of being able to respond. And it's okay. That's not a bad thing. All that means is you're still healing. And take some time to heal for the sake of the body. Because the world needs you. The world needs you, but the world needs you whole. Amen. The world needs you whole. If Jesus can change the world with 12 disciples, we can change the nations with just who we got in this room. What would it look like if just this body said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to behold his glory, be transformed into his image, to humble myself and to sit long enough to receive all the fullness of the revelation, to know not only how to share the gospel intelligently, but to have such right relationship with him that when I step into the presence of others, they feel the tangible love of the Father. And out of that place of love and intimacy with him, we just hear well and we see well. We say what he wants us to say, just like Jesus said. And we do what he wants us to do. And it's when the enemy comes and tries to make it about us, we're so assured in our identity of who he's made us to be that we're not even shaken. Those are just like little fleas or flies. Just kind of swat them away, right? And in the face of the most demonic individual like the Legion, you can not be afraid and you can walk up and say, what's your name? And that demon manifests and we don't go, Ugh. we just, okay. So he's not even able to talk, he's so overcome. Right? I, I really believe that's the era we're in and that's the era we're coming to. And I believe every single person in this room has the potential to be one of the sent ones. I love the fact that hope never leaves us speechless. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where people are talking around the boardroom table or maybe you're in the court or maybe you're having to defend yourself or... Maybe there are accusations coming or maybe you're in a grocery store and somebody cuts in front of you. I don't know what that is for you. But you feel like, uh, I know I'm supposed to say something, Lord. I just don't know what to say. Right? Listen to this verse. So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty in those moments to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or what to say or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us in those moments to super intercede 
the Passion Translation says, on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. That encouraged my heart. So in those moments when you don't know what to say, you don't know what to pray, and you're just like, that's a prayer. That's supernatural, super interceding help on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus. Perfect prayer. I didn't even have to tell you. Thank you, Jesus. You know. You know. No. Why? Uh, That's prayer. I mean, that blows my mind. I'm never speechless. A simple sigh. A cry, a groan. That's a prayer. That's super interceding prayer on your behalf. Hope never leaves you speechless. Deep, that deep in you, Holy Spirit in you, calls unto the deep in him, and it's constantly communicating. And then it even says, even better than that, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, and he's continually interceding on your behalf and my behalf. So even, you know, in those moments where maybe you don't even have a sigh, have you ever been there where you're so numb, you're so done, you can't climb the stairs. You can't think about a plan. You're persevered to the point where you want to just lay down in the bathtub, glug, 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 hold your breath, and do I want to come up? I'm just being real. I, am I the only one that has moments like that? Okay. Listen. If you're making a difference in the kingdom, you have moments where you're just like, dear Jesus, like Paul, it's better to be separate from the body and be present with the Lord. Can we just go home? Beat me up, Scotty. I'm done. Right? I'm done with this moment. I just want three days like Paul had by myself with you in heaven playing with the horses. (laughs) I'm tired of the tears and the jeers and the tauntings and the hauntings. (laughs) Amen? Even in those moments, when it's too deep to even have words, that deep is calling on a deep, and Jesus himself is interceding on your behalf. And you are not speechless. Because you have an advocate in heaven. A perfect advocate. A holy advocate. I loved that song that Jackie sang when she said it said that she loved his fidelity. That's a covenant word. It means faithful in intimacy, faithful in covenant, faithful in marriage, to love and to cherish, to protect to be loyal to the one. Mm, that's a good word. Think about that. We're thankful for his fidelity. He's, he has fidelity in his relationship with you. He has fidelity in his relationship with me. He's loyal. I love this idea that hope is never a disappointing fantasy, Right? Like when the world says, don't get your hopes up. This is beyond hope. You know, you ever believed for something? People thought you were crazy when we started Cago. Uh, Eric Schertz saying, God love him. Here in this city, I just love him to pieces. And he, I laugh with him about this now, so I can say this. We sat down at a table. We were having lunch, and he said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, we're going to be uniting the pastors in the city to transform the city with Christ. And he goes, you're crazy. I was like, well. 
maybe, but I know my God. And I had a word, and I know what God said. And I was like, Lord, how do I answer this question? In that moment, I felt a little bit speechless, and God gave me a quick vision of a river. And he said, when water comes rushing down and a new river is being formed and there's a big rock or boulder in the middle of it that basically says, I'm not going with you. You're crazy. This is never going to happen. The water doesn't fight with the rock. The water just goes around it. And eventually, the ground underneath the rock loosens up. And that boulder starts to roll with the flow. It doesn't have a choice because that river's coming. That water's flowing, and the ground underneath lets it loose. Amen? And the individual ends up getting blessed anyway, so we can bless them. No problem. No problem. Just keep us in your prayers. Maybe I am. Maybe I am a little crazy, but I'm crazy for the Lord. And time will tell. Ten years later, we've had over 2,500 leaders united to transform our city with Christ across all seven spheres of influence. We started with eight. Eight. And one of them we called Chicken Bob. He was just mad about the chicken. He wanted to talk about nothing but the chicken. And I thought, Jesus, what are we going to do with this group? But perseverance produces character and character hope. And every time I just kept going back for another meeting, I kept calling for another meeting, calling for another prayer meeting, having another conversation, taking another person out for coffee. Ten years. And now I can look back and say, look what God did. We can't make that happen, but he could. And he gave a vision for it, and he did. And all the boulders that sat there and said, there's no way. They're all coming, rolling down the river and having their own events now. We don't have to tell people to have unified events. We go, we have a conversation, they ask us, who should we unite with? That's a great question. I would recommend these seven people, they kind of flow like you flow. And then the relationship is built, and they just keep doing their events and doing what God told them to do. It's beautiful. It's normal in our city now to work with other churches. That's very rare very rare. Isn't that beautiful? All that to say, hope is never a disappointing fantasy. And I, I read this, this verse, these verses in the Passion Translation. I just had to share it with you because I loved that terminology. It's never a disappointing fantasy. So if God gives you a vision for something, if God lays something on your heart, write it down in your journal. It is not a fantasy. He wants to see it come to pass. But just because it doesn't come to pass in two years, in four years, in six years, in eight years, in ten years, doesn't mean that it's not God's will. God's times are not our times. And he's a good God, and he's a gentle God. He doesn't force things on people because where there's liberty, there's love. So like the river, he's real gentle. He'll just wash around people, no big deal. You just can trust him with that. He'll gently pull out a little dirt here and a little dirt there. He'll loosen that hard ground underneath, just real easy. He's not trying to get a, what do you call them things, a bucket bulldozer and get that big old boulder out of the way because it's in the way of what God wants to do and trench out some kind of big river. No, he's gentle. That water comes and it does it on its own, makes the path that he wants it to make, amen. So in the Passion Translation, Romans 5, 1 through 6, listen to this. This is so beautiful. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Amen. Anybody happy about that? Tell your neighbor, it's a gift <laughs> to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. Ooh, you ever want anybody to tell you you're flawless? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are flawless, honey. <laughs> Alan, you just edify yourself back there. Say, I am flawless. Yes. 
in his eyes. This means that we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus Christ did. The anointed one. He did it for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into his marvelous kindness. That has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth from within us. As we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. We know that there's more glory to come. No matter how much glory we've tasted. There's still hope that there's more glory. I love that. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Amen. And that the patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And it says, and hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, somebody say, when the time was right, God has timing. When the time was right, the anointed one came and he died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless and weak and powerless to save themselves. It's okay to be powerless. It's okay to be weak. In fact, being weak and being powerless and admitting that you're unable to save yourself is the beginning of your glory journey. Prior to that, it's all religion. Trying and striving and doing. But when we get to that place where we're like, ooh, I cannot. He said, oh, good. Let's talk. Now let's have a conversation, darling. It's time to get started. You're ready for leadership. What, 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 what? I'm not, I just told you I wasn't ready. Oh, no. You're ready now. Why? Because you know you can't, but I can. So sometimes we get to those places where we've persevered in the character and, and that character has produced the hope in us and we've got the expectation and we know this has got to be God. I cannot do this. And then the door finally opens because we've laid down our trust in our own ability. And we've said, I can't, but you can. And, and you're fighting with him now because he gave you the vision originally and you wanted it and you said yes and then you realized how ill-equipped you really are to do it and now you're going I don't belong here I can't do this and he's going that's why I want you because you know in and of yourself you cannot do this that's actually what qualifies you to lead come on mm, that's a word that is a word that is actually what qualifies you to lead because it is in our weakness, it is in our powerlessness, it is in the reality that we know that we need saving every single day, day in and day out. That we are open to the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Otherwise, we're just manufacturing, we're just striving, we're just doing, we're just attaining to some form or fashion of our interpretation of this law versus operating in intimate relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords so that he can freely flow however he wants to go regardless of how it reflects on us. Daddy's been talking to me about a new book. I'm, I'm finishing up The Rest is War, finally. We, we had hoped it was going to get done last year, and then life happened. <laughs> There's an appointed time. 
I have way more stories to put in it now. <laughs> so I know why it's now and not then. We'll let you know when it's done. Um, trying to get that done before April. Please pray for me. But he gave me about three more titles, and one of them is uh, Joyfully Undignified. Joyfully Undignified. You get to a place in the Lord, and maybe you've been there, where you know you're so loved. Just like David, when he brought that ark in, he did not care. He was dancing in his underwear. Essentially, the scripture tells us. And his wife, standing up in that tower, how dare he, right? But he knew he did it right this time. He knew he heard the word of the Lord. He was excited about the presence of God coming into the place. And he cared more and valued more the glory of God and the presence of God coming back into the city than he did the way that people were going to look at him. And so God entrusted him with that glory. God entrusted him with the privilege of leading that parade, of bringing the literal Shekinah glory back to the people. The very ark that carried the presence of the Lord. And I, I believe in this era too, we're coming into a place where daddy's saying, who are my ones that are willing to be glorfully, joyfully undignified, full of joy, knowing what people are going to say and how they're going to react and how ridiculous we're going to look, but I don't care. I'm going to say what he told me to say. I'm going to do what he told me to do. If he says get a sword out and do a prophetic act, I'm getting a sword out and do a prophetic act. If he tells me to cook my food over dung like Ezekiel, I'm going to cook my food over dung like Ezekiel. Why? Because I value the word of the Lord. I'm just saying, it's a real thing. I know Cammie's dying over here. But that's a real thing. Can you imagine being that prophet? Seriously, lay on this side for this many days. Lay on this side for this many days. I want you to cook your food over dung. Lord, please, don't make me cook it over people dung. I've never defiled myself ever. Can I cook it over cow dung as if that's any better? I mean, that puts valuing the word of the Lord in perspective, amen? How bad do you want it? And you get to a point where it's like, I don't care anymore. So I'm at this retreat this weekend, and in one minute I'm bawling like a baby, and I'm on my knees, and whatever. And the next minute I'm vata, vata, vata. I'm like, listen, I just got to be me. You love me or you hate me. I don't care anymore. I've got to be me. I can't not be me. And there's such a glory and a freedom in knowing who you are and being okay with being who you are, it, whether it's in the messy, a place of messy grace or in a place of glorious wholeness. It's okay. There's great freedom, great peace that accompanies that. Blessed, blessed, blessed assurance. I don't know why I'm hearing that song. Blessed assurance. Come on. Jesus is mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, salvation, what else, Lord, yeah, perfect he loves, amen, what's the next part, baby, his spirit lost in his blood. Story. Come on. This is my song. Come on. Oh. My Savior all the day long. This is my story. This 
seen my Savior all the day long. We have this blessed assurance that no matter where we are in the process, that we are dearly loved, passionately sought after. We are accepted, we are significant, and we are always safe. We are always safe. In the kingdom, hope implies a 100% blessed assurance. In the Word English Bible, which is an interesting translation I hadn't read actually before this morning, it says, now faith is assurance of the things hoped for and proof of things not seen. I really liked that version. Proof of things not seen. In the Passion Translation, it says, now faith brings our hopes into reality. Perseverance produces character and character hope, but hope is actually the thing that brings our faith, the, the object of our faith into reality, that hope into reality. What are you hoping for? Holy Spirit, what am I hoping for? Just take a minute. Holy Spirit, what am I hoping for? I know what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that hope, because I have hope, it's bringing it into reality. It's as if it's already there. Hope itself is the very proof that you already attained the thing that you are longing for. That lit me up this morning. Come on. Definition of insurance is a positive declaration. Turn to your neighbor and say, declare it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember what the Lord told the Israelites when they were walking around Jericho? What did he say? Do not say a word. Do not murmur and complain. Them walls look high. Those walls look big. I want you to keep walking around the walls, but you keep it shut. And then your gift is in your mouth. It's hard. I'm just going to say it. Amen? Listen. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and it takes time to master that. But you can. It's okay. Maybe you're thinking, oh, man, I already murmured and complained. I already said all these bad things. It's okay. Say what I say. Father, forgive me for all the negative things I spoke in Jesus' name. Father, I come before your courts of heaven right now, and I take back every word curse I spoke from the bank of Satan, and I cage it in a cage with a lock without a key, and I ask right now that your angels would bring it before the throne of the true Lord Jesus Christ for immediate judgment by fire. And in place of all those curse words, I lose hope. I lose righteousness. I lose reconciliation. I lose peace. I lose love. I lose wholeness. I lose the miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles. I lose your perfect will. Come on. Come on. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. That's Hebrews 11:3 in the Passion. He spoke in the invisible realm, gave birth to all that is seen. Amen. A promise means to cause someone to feel certain by removing doubt. And God says, right, that we participate in the divine nature, 
through the promises and through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He says that in Peter. It's through his good and precious promises that we participate in the divine nature by our knowledge of them and our understanding of them and holding on to those promises. So listen to this. A promise, assurance is a promise to cause someone to feel certain. You've got thousands and thousands and thousands of promises that give you blessed assurance right here in this book. Thousands. And I love this. In Joshua 21, 45, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors, and they took possession on it, of it and settled there, and the Lord gave them rest. Somebody say rest. Ooh, that is a word for this hour. Rest on every side, just as he sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. Turn to your neighbor and say, Not one of your enemies is going to withstand you. And turn back to him again and say, I ain't your enemy. <laughs> I want to tell you, we war not against flesh and blood. The person next to you, your brother, your sister, the people in your life, they are not your enemy. There's a second heaven where the enemy, the true enemy, is really busy. We got to remember that. And this is my favorite part, verse 45. Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Come on. God is a good God. There's not one of his promises to you that will go unfulfilled. If you're willing to persevere under the character necessary to receive the fresh hope that you need to make it a reality. And sometimes people say, well, God told me this, but I haven't seen it happen. Did you persevere? Did you persevere into character? And did, you, did that character bring you back to a place of hope, which is the very thing that makes it a reality of your in your life? If you didn't, if you always go, eh, I'm done here, I don't want to persevere, it's, it ain't happening. And it's not because God doesn't love you, it's because he does. He loves you so much and he loves his people. And you have to have his character to receive the reality of the hope that he put in your heart, that vision, that thing. And sometimes Christians can go around and around a mountain, spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And if they had stayed, if they had persevered long enough until the Lord said shift, they would have the thing, the desire of their heart. Okay? And that's, there's no condemnation. Hear me. There is no condemnation. Today can be a reset. It does not matter if you did. Today's a new day. Persevere now. Because he can make up for 10 years of running away in one moment, in a single moment. God is, he is Lord over time. He is Lord over space. In a moment, he can shift it and make it all right. Okay? God bless you, Lord. Yes, we received that agreement. I loved this definition. It was very interesting. It, it, it struck something in me that I hadn't thought of before. It says that assurance is a type of insurance against events that will certainly happen, such as death and misfortune. I thought, ooh, Jesus is my fire insurance. Mm -hmm. His promises are insurance that I can turn into him at any time and say, Lord, I got a policy here. Mm. And the enemy's wreaking some havoc in my life. And you said in your word, the enemy has to give back seven times anything he stole. So I'm turning this in. 
I'm coming before the courts of heaven right now, and I'm reminding you I have a policy. It's paid for in full by the blood of Jesus. And I'm just waiting. What do you, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do this? Because I need to get paid. Right? Come on, payday. Amen. We are in the year of pay. Payday, the decade of pay. Come on. It's payday. And sometimes we don't receive the fullness of our blessings because that enemy comes and kind of gets us operating in that false humility. Well, I shouldn't say anything. Well, this is just the life of suffering. Yes, it is. But I'll tell you what. We do, we are called to take up the sufferings of Christ Jesus, but God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And thank you, Father, I want my reward. And I'm okay with it being here or there, okay? But there is a reward that we get here, and it's okay. We do not have to feel guilty about that. That got that policy sitting on your desk. You got to take it before the courts of heaven and say, uh, advocate, do you remember this policy that your blood paid for <laughs> can we go have a talk with daddy on my behalf please I wonder sometimes if they're sitting there like waiting for us to come just waiting for us, someone to believe you remember when he's sitting in heaven and he said he sent the angels searching to and fro th throughout the earth looking for a righteous man someone that God could bless I think Satan found Job, right? Well, the Lord says, have you considered my, Satan's looking for someone to accuse. And the Lord says, well, have you considered Job, my righteous servant? And of course, the devil's good at his job. He finds something to accuse him of. So I was like, okay, let's play this game. Mm -hmm. I'll let you use that landing strip of fear in his life. But when you're done, I'm going to bless that boy. Seven times. Financially, seven times familial, seven times everything, because he would not curse the Lord. I will not curse the Lord, he says. I will not curse the Lord. I know my God, and he's not just my God because I'm a daughter of the king. I know my father. You will not make me curse him, devil. You are a liar. Or demon, you are a liar. There's only one devil. I want, I want to clear up some theology real quick. We always say Satan this, devil this, Satan this. I want to tell you something. Half the time you ain't dealing with the devil because he's only one place at one time. He is not all places at all times. Most of the time you're dealing with one of his little minions or your own mind being sanctified. Okay? Only a third of the angels fall. Only a third of them fell. That means we got two-thirds working on our behalf. They're outnumbered two to one. What? Plus us. That makes three. Bring it, bro. I'm just saying. That's an Irish posse right there. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Come on. Three-fold cord isn't easily broken. What? You are not outnumbered. Amen. Yeah, come on. That's all right. Yeah, here. Bless her, Lord. That's right. Scottish posse, I don't know what you are. Polish posse, what is it for you? Whatever it is, it's okay. Indian posse, native posse, I don't know. I'm just saying. You, your bloodline, and whoever the Lord assigned to you, amen? 
own it. I love 1 Kings 18.56. It says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, just as he promised, similar to the previous word. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. So think about all the misfortune Moses went through with the Israelites. Can you imagine? <laughs> Leading that many people out of Egypt, eating quail and manna, trying to find the water. Shoes aren't running out, just walking through the desert for a long time. <laughs> Nobody's happy, everybody's hot, kids yelling, cows stinking. I mean, you got to think of reality, right, okay? Cows have to eat. The sheep and herds have to eat. The kids have to eat. You got old ladies, young ladies, menstruating ladies. I'm just saying, ladies, <laughs> old men, young men, frisky men. I'm just saying, men. And you got to lead all these thousands and thousands of people out into the desert. I think I would have been saying, Lord, I need more leaders. But it says not one word failed of all the good promises he gave to his servant Moses. Not a single word. Isn't that beautiful? So hope, blessed Hope implies blessed assurance, 100% blessed assurance when, our, when Jesus Christ is the object of our hope. And that gets me excited. Because hope in him never fails. Hope in him never fails. I loved this one. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. It is literally the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So if you've persevered unto a place of character and that character has brought you into some place of hope where you have hope, you literally are on the precipice of attaining the reality of the thing that you hope for. Stay the course. Stay the course. You literally have it. It's the evidence to prove what is still unseen. That hope is your evidence. I have hope. It's here. You, you can count your money and put it in the bank. What do they say? Something about counting it, I don't know. Thank you. Take that check to the bank. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking this through, like faith in what? Faith brings our hopes into reality. So faith in what? Holy Spirit reminded me immediately. Early in the morning, he says, they left for the desert to Koa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in what? In the Lord your God who he is, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and, you, prophets and you will be what? Successful. Y'all know that, right? You will be successful. So we have to have faith in the Lord and who he is. We have to know him, and we'll be upheld in those moments. We have to have faith in his prophets, that prophetic word that comes forth, and we will be successful. What else do we have to have faith in? I love this. Another verse, just reiterating the same thing. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and I just want you to picture in your mind, in your imagination center, that glory center that God gave you, okay, your creative glory center, what is your mountain? What is your mountain? If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea. <laughs> I just had a great vision. 
<laughs> and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. And I love verse 25. It says, and when you stand, when you stand praying, sometimes we're not down on our knees praying. Sometimes we're standing in a situation. And you're going, hmm. Oh, wow. Hmm. Those supernatural interceding prayers. When you stand praying, there's a caveat. If you hold anything against anyone, the Lord says, forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven can also forgive your sins. One of the most common reasons people never fulfill their destiny and do not receive answers to their prayers is because of offense and unforgiveness. And I just want to say forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. You can still have all kinds of emotions going on and say, I choose to forgive this person and be pressing into the process of being in relationship with them in a way that's healthy, okay? I just want to say that the feelings will catch up with your choice to forgive eventually though if you truly forgive and your feelings will catch up okay Romans 4 21 says being fully assured that what God has promised he was also able to perform yeah you like that that's a that's tongues I started typing in tongues up there able to perform he's able to perform it right so whatever he's told you whatever that mountain is whatever hope you are resting on that on the promise of the word that the lord has given you and made a rhema for you about what's to come he is able to perform it or he wouldn't have told you well he's able to do whatever he wants either way whether he told you or not he's able to do anything literally anything but we've got to get to the place where we're fully assured that what God promised he can do, and he can. Sometimes what we struggle with is that what, what he promised me is he willing to do it. But you got to remember he's a good father. He doesn't make promises to you that he's not willing to fulfill. He's not a daddy that sticks a carrot out in front of you and hangs it there and says, ooh, and yanks it away. Or like what we did to my grandmother where you open the back car and you laugh and drive while she's trying to get in. He's not that kind of father. I know, I was sick. She was really old, too. She was like 55. <laughs> but I have to say, she teased us for 50 years. I know, I know. If you knew my grandma, you would understand. She's laughing. She's laughing up in heaven. She knows. You know, Grandma. You deserved it. She liked it sometimes. <laughs> I can't make any promises. <laughs> But not only is he able to fulfill it, but he's willing. Amen? Because he's a good father, right? And then Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast. To what? To the confession of our hope. So this goes back to declaration. There's moments where we've persevered under the character and we've got the hope. And it's almost like you come into another season of persevering. It hasn't quite come to pass yet, but you've got to hold fast to the confession in that moment. 
Because just like the woman with the issue of blood, imagine what people were saying to her. She was unclean. She had to stay outside of the city. She had to press past all of the rejection. She had to press past all of the doctor's reports. It said she went to the doctor for 12 years. She had to press past all of the physical symptoms. She had to press past the reality that she was a female in a society that had basically made her an outcast and she had no way to make money unless she wanted to prostitute herself. She had to press past the judgments that she was going to receive as she pressed into that crowd and wasn't supposed to be touching anybody because she was unclean. Sometimes you got to press past some things and hold fast to the hem of his garment and say, you said, you said, you said. No matter what anybody around you is saying. My favorite religious comment is, well, everybody has free will. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. But you know what the will of the Father is? That they would know him in the power of his resurrection. That's the will of the Father. It's, it's not God's will that any man should perish. He's not slow in keeping his promises. It's not his will that any man should perish. The law of God is written on our hearts. We were created to worship him. Everybody really has a God-sized hole in their heart that they want filled. But we resist for various reasons. And if we're patient enough to hold fast to the words that God has given us and, and we allow the love of God to fill us in such a manner, we have the privilege of participating in the divine nature so that we can say what he says to say in that right moment and see a shift take place. And I'm not preaching a theology that says that everyone gets saved. What I am saying is it's possible. If, scripturally, love never fails, and it doesn't. How can God and, and, and Jesus be showing up in Muslim countries, the hardest of the hardest hearts? Sexual sin is rampant there. Terrorism and violence is rampant, absolutely rampant. And one glimpse of his glory, and they're, they're completely changed. Forever different. I just wonder what it would look like to have an army of glory-filled Christians running around, showing up in people's rooms and seeing people transform like that because they've encountered the God of love. You've heard it said that hope is fragile. And I just want to tell you today, I feel like the Lord wanted you to know hope is only as fragile as the object of our hope. And Jesus is not fragile. I love this picture. And the elders said to me, weep no more. But behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Can anybody say amen? has conquered, past tense, so that he can open the scroll in its seven seals. It is finished. It is finished. I mean, look at the eyes. Mm -mm, that is not a fragile being. It is finished. Whew, that lit me up this morning. And then I want to close with this. James 1.12 says, if your faith remains strong 
even while surrounded by life's difficulties in the Passion Translation, you will continue to experience untold blessings of God. Come on. True happiness comes as you pass the test with faith and you receive the victorious crown of life promised to every lover of God. So hope, I want to go back to that first page, is never lost when Jesus is the object of our hope. It's never lost. In fact, it just positions us to see materialize the very thing that he has promised us in our life. And it positions us to receive a crown of life. It positions us for promotion in the spirit. It positions us to come into more of the kingdom of God. It positions us to be blessing to those around us. It positions us to be kingdom-minded individuals who can walk into any room and any city and change the atmosphere and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we become world changers. And we're fulfilling that verse in Matthew where we're equipping the nations. We're discipling nations. Because it's no longer just about individuals, even though it is about individuals. It's about everywhere the sole of our foot treads taking that ground for the sake of the kingdom. And we get to the place where we've received that victorious crown, where we've learned to stand where we're willing to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, we recognize the reality that just because we don't see it, it doesn't matter. If I have the faith, if I have a promise, if I'm willing to persevere, and once I get to that place of blessed hope, I have blessed assurance that it is come. And I can write a check. It's like a check in the bank, just like Leah was saying. I've already won because it is finished. I'm thinking about that verse. Um, we're hard-pressed on every side. We're perplexed. Pressed, yeah, but not destroyed. Pressed down, but not overthrown. Our lives are given over to death every day that the life of Christ may be known to you. And that crown of life sometimes is most clearly seen in these moments when we're being pressed. I had someone tell me this week, I've never seen anyone who is willing to go through what you're going through and live so close in relationship with me where I could observe and watch it. And the individual was sharing how it encouraged her heart. And I hadn't thought of that. I was just doing life the way that God has taught me and then trying to live in integrity, right? We talk about love all the time. I should probably be loving. <laughs> I'm certainly not doing it perfectly, but I'm doing it intentionally, and I'm doing it well, and I have persevered, and I am standing and growing in character, and I am holding on to that hope, and I know God said what he said, and I know that I have the reality of the thing that he promised me, even though nothing around me looks like it's so yet. But God is good, and God is willing, and he is moving, and I do already have the reality thereof because he said it. And from the moment a word leaves his mouth, it is literally already accomplished. Because the life is in the seed of the word. Amen? So once he speaks it, 
the very power, the very life, the very, all of the fruit and the fullness thereof, the reality is in that spoken seed. And we just have to wait for the appointed time. Mm. And that, that gives me that joy bursting forth from the inside. Because I know the time is coming. Amen. I don't know why, I just want to sing this song one more time. We normally do an activation. Let me just walk you through this, because if you're not from here. So as we sing this song, this is going to be our activation today, okay? Activation is the process of making something active or operated, okay? The scripture tells us that knowledge puffs up, but that love edifies. Love is a person, okay? So if we know a thing, but we don't activate it in our lives, or make it active, or invite Holy Spirit to make it active in our lives. It just becomes knowledge, which puffs us up and makes us prideful. But if we invite him to activate the truths that we've learned today in our lives, it helps us to walk in more of the fullness of the love of God. Amen? So revelation brings responsibility. All right. Let me go back there. And we know that the spiritual gifts can be caught, they can be taught, and they can be activated by faith. So you've had some teaching today. Maybe you caught a few things during worship. But right now we're going to activate something by faith, and we're going to activate blessed assurance by faith as we sing this song, okay? There's a process. Revelation can come through all five senses. Interpretation is the key. A lot of times it's not that a person didn't get the revelation. It's that they misinterpreted it. So sometimes people will say, I saw this, but they never take the time to ask, Holy Spirit, what did it mean? I saw this, but what did it mean? is the first step, and what do you want me to do with it? So sometimes people will see it properly, and then they'll in ask Holy Spirit what it means, and they'll interpret it properly, but then they don't respond properly because they don't say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with it? See, God knows me, and God knows you, and God knows everybody around us. And if we see a true vision or get a true in prophecy, and we ask God what to interpret it, and he tells us what it means, and... Um, we get the interpretation on top of the revelation, but we mishandle the appropriation of it with the individuals around us. It still can cause people harm, amen? So we want to make sure that we take time to not only ask Holy Spirit, what does this mean, but what do you want me to do with it? So that applies to our life personally, okay? Don't assume just because you've had a vision before or a dream before that you know what it means, Okay? Because God is eternal. His word is eternal. There may be something new he's wanting to show us. And don't assume just because you've got the interpretation that you know what you're supposed to do with it. That'll get you in big trouble, and it can hurt a lot of people around you. So, okay, this is what it is, Father. What do you want me to do with it? That's love, right? That's humility. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey, because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you 
feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you. We love you. Have a blessed day.